Well, good morning, everyone. Today, we're going to be finishing our series in the book of Ruth. And before we do, I just want us to recap over the last three weeks. We've traveled through chapter one, two and three, each one each week. And today, we're finishing, obviously, in chapter four. It's important for us to track back over the last few weeks to, to re remember where we've come from, where the, the story of Ruth started. In a land where there was famine, they were had to leave home. They, Naomi and Ruth had uh, their loved ones who died uh, to the point that Naomi no, was no longer uh, able uh, or w was willing to be called Naomi, but in fact was wanting to be called Mara, which means bitter. Bitterness was, was evident and it's understandable in the midst of the struggles that she faced as well as Ruth. Ruth remains uh, loyal to Naomi. They go back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the place where Ruth ended up meeting Boaz and Naomi and uh, Ruth hatch a plan to enable uh, Ruth uh, to get married to Boaz, which is what we're going to read today, takes place. But Boaz is not the guardian redeemer, the first in line, so to speak. That was the cultural norm, as Ian said last week. We can't defend it. That's where it was. He wanted to find the person who was the guardian redeemer to see if that person was willing and was able to redeem Naomi and Ruth. Now we've got to understand that females in that culture at that time were helpless and the cultural norm of the day was for there to be a guardian redeemer who was part of the family and that individual would be the one that had to step up to the plate and to redeem the individual, the widow, in circumstances where their husbands had lied. They, were, they had to provide and to protect the person that was helpless. And at the end of chapter 3 last week, we read that Boaz, after meeting Ruth, Boaz is generous in his nature. He gives Ruth six measures of barley. And he says in verse 17 of chapter 3, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And then Naomi says to Ruth when she comes back, wait my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until he finds, until he settles the matter today. Ruth is a woman of immense loyalty, whilst Boaz is a man of commendable integrity. She waits, she has to wait, that's part of the way things are set up in those days, for, for Boaz to go and resolve the situation, for Naomi and for Ruth to be provided and protected for. We'll pick up the story in just a moment from Ruth chapter four, but it's worth noting when it picks up in Ruth uh, chapter four, it takes place, the beginning of the scene takes place outside of the town gates. Now, the town gates, uh, those, were, those were two places, uh, two things happened at the town gates. One, it was a place where people socialized and met one another as they came and went from their work in the fields day in and day out. And the other place, uh, the other significance of the town gates was it was the place where law decisions of the city or of the town took place. And so Boaz, as we'll read in just a moment, he gathers the elders of the city, almost like the, the, the judge and the jury, to be able to put this uh, issue of law before them. You can read the issue of law and why it happens in this way in Deuteronomy chapter 25, if that tickles your fancy. So let's crack in, let's read Ruth chapter 4 all the way through and pick up where we left off last week. So meanwhile, Boaz 
went to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer had mentioned he had mentioned came along boaz said come over here my friend and sit down so he went over there and sat down boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said sit here and they did so then he said to the guardian redeemer naomi who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will deem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have brought, bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malon's widow. As my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead, with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Epaphrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and, became, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that as we spend these next few moments understanding what this passage and this story of Ruth has to say to us this day in our lives, 
would your Holy Spirit, Spirit bring to life those things in our lives that you want to change and transform us. Open our eyes to see what it is you have to say to us this day. Open our ears that we may receive fully all the good that you have for us this day. In your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. So Boaz goes to the gate. He knows that's where he's going to find the garden redeemer. And he says, come and sit here, my friend. That's funny. That sounds quite friendly, doesn't it? Come here, my friend. The actual Hebrew, you could translate it. And it's actually trans the literal translation is Mr. So-and-so. They don't want to name the individual because, as we, as we read, this individual abdicates his responsibility, the cultural expectation to be the guardian redeemer. The cost for him, as he later says, is too much for him to be the guardian redeemer. Boaz describes to Mr. So-and-so the situation of Naomi. She'd left in the famine, her husband died, she's come back and she's now without a husband and her property, her land is there to be sold. I'll redeem it, Mr. So-and-so says. I'm going to get it, this says at the end of verse 4. And it's a little bit like this, this next little scene, verse 5, happens. I can imagine, it's almost like if you've, if you've seen one of those scenes in a film or a TV where you've got two people sitting at either side of the table about to sign the contract of agreement. Yes, great. It's like this Mr. So-and-so is picking up the pen, ready to put his name to the dotted line. And then Boaz comes in and goes, oh, by the way, also, there's a Moabite, Ruth, who's also about a husband. She's a foreigner. You'll also got to be the guardian redeemer of her as well. Now, Mr. So-and-so, he probably would have thought, land, jackpot, because if you had more land, you could produce more crops, which meant more money. And it wouldn't have cost him anything. But for Ruth, it was too much. Because he had to, the expectation was, Naomi was older, remember, the expectation was that he was to keep the name of that family going by providing a child or children. I cannot do it, he says. The cost was too high. I might endanger my own estate. It's the guy says, you Boaz can redeem it. You Boaz can redeem it. And I love verse seven. I love the way that it sort of gives us a little bit of a narrator's comment on what is happening at this next point. In earlier times in Israel, for the redemption of property to take place, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. That was how it was done. I mean, it's a bit funny, isn't it? That's just how it was done. Take off your sandal, right, there you go. Imagine that walking into Sainsbury's or walking into Tesco or walking into the barbers or the hairdressers and be like, hey, can you cut my hair? Here's my sandal, that's my payment. There you go, you can try, it's all yours now. There you go. Hilarious. In some ways it's hilarious, but obviously it's just how it was done. Boaz receives it. He is willing to bear the cost to redeem and protect and provide for Boaz, uh, for Ruth and Naomi. Boaz provides the cost for redemption and was willing to protect them from the dangers of the world that, they, that Naomi and Ruth lived in, which was not well inclined towards widows, and that's saying it mildly. A question for you to consider 
is this, who or what do you look to to provide and to protect you? And then consider how good that person or that thing is at providing and protecting you. Boaz was the guardian redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. But we know this side of history, there's an even greater guardian redeemer who provides and protects the whole of humanity. And that guardian redeemer is, of course, Jesus. Do you see the parallels between Boaz and Jesus? Boaz, well, he took the initiative. He saw the situation of Naomi and Ruth, who were helpless. He acted not out of self-interest, but out of their interest, who were willing to bear the cost of the situation that was in a desperate state, as we saw at the beginning of chapter one. He was the saviour who redeemed them. He redeemed Naomi and Ruth outside of the city walls, where he took the initiative and bore the cost on himself. Fast forward a few hundred years, quite a few generations later. The creator of the universe sees the helpless situation humanity is in, takes the initiative, steps in, and was willing to find out a way, to work out a way to redeem humanity. And that creator of the universe, Jesus, he did so outside of the city walls where a different exchange took place. Not so far away from Bethlehem, in a town in a city called Jerusalem. There, Jesus became the saviour of the world to redeem all of humanity from all its helplessness, from all its sin, from the reality of death, bearing the cost of our salvation on himself. The name of the redeemer in the story for Naomi and Ruth is Boaz. But the name of the redeemer in our story, in our lives, is Jesus. It was costly for Boaz. It was costly too for Jesus. It was an effective redemption for Boaz. And my word was it an effective one for Jesus when he did it for us. Boaz secured the future for Naomi and Ruth. And absolutely, 100 million percent has Jesus secured the future for you and I. So a saviour who redeems is what we need. So after the elders of the city, they pray a prayer of blessing from verse 30, after they pray that in verses 9 uh, to 10, the elders uh, of the city say, may you, may, you, may you be like Leah and Ruth and Rachel. After they pray that prayer, the narrator of the story cuts to the next scene where there's now a baby. A baby that's been born. Boaz and Ruth have been married. A baby's born. A son is born. And they name him Obed. Obed becomes the grandfather of King David. Who as we know from Matthew chapter 1. Is in the same family genealogy line. As the Lord Jesus. The greatest guardian redeemer of all time. Remember where the book of Ruth started. Famine. Despair. Homeless. Hopeless. Helpless. Bitterness, grief and death. Now at the end of their story, Ruth's situation, their lives with Naomi as well have been restored, delivered and they're saved. Salvation has been received. Famine where they were once starved has been turned into a future secured. Despair turns a hope. 
helpless, homeless, hopeless, to redeemed, restored and full of hope. Bitterness to joy, grief to praise, death to life. All of this comes to the fore from verse 13 onwards at the end of Ruth chapter 4. This screams out the gospel, doesn't it? In which Jesus, our great redeemer, was willing to win for us our salvation from our despair to provide us hope, from our bitterness to joy, from our grief of not being able to be in a relationship with God to praise, from death to life. The story of Ruth teaches us, and the life of Ruth in fact, teaches us about loyalty. Loyalty which she showed to Naomi, to Boaz, and ultimately to God's plan in the circumstances that she faced. God used Ruth's loyalty to bring about a servant, a redeemer, who was made famous throughout all of Israel. Her loyalty was a glimpse into the future where we see the perfect loyalty and obedience of the Lord Jesus with his death on the cross. What would people say about your loyalty to your family and friends? Or a slightly more pointed question, what would people say, or what would you say about your loyalty to Jesus? Converging in this story as well, it's not just loyalty. There's also integrity. The integrity of Boaz. His selfless nature, acting not out of self-interest, but of Naomi and Ruth's interest. His integrity was a glimpse into the future of where we see perfect selflessness played out in the life and death of Jesus. What would people say about your integrity? When no one is watching, who are you? In relationships with others, how selfless are you? Loyalty and integrity come together perfectly in Jesus. They come together in this story with Ruth and Boaz's characters, commendable characters of these two virtues. And as I've been preparing for this talk this week, we're going to come into land in just a moment. I can't help but kept, God kept taking me to Philippians chapter 2. Where Paul the Apostle wrote that famous Christ song, that Christ hymn where he reveals and he talks about the loyalty, the integrity, the obedience, the humility of Jesus in his life and his death. I'll read those verses for us in just a moment. And I'll pause halfway through to enable us to reflect on all that God has been speaking to us, not just today, but these last three weeks as we've looked at the story and the life of Ruth. I'll then read the last couple of verses of the Christ term in Philippians chapter 2. Because it's there it transitions to the future, where Jesus is now and is secured, waiting for us to be with him in the future. We have a saviour who has redeemed us and a great salvation we have received. And we have a living hope. Our future is secure. So let's read from Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Loving God, we thank you for sending Jesus to be obedient to death on a cross, securing for us that future in eternity with you. Thank you for these weeks where you've been speaking to us through the story and the life of Ruth. As we consider this day, loyalty and integrity and what this means in our own lives. We invite you in this moment for your spirit to speak to us, to show us something in our own lives where you're wanting to teach us and change us and mould us and transform us. Speak Lord, for your servants are listening. Lord, we pray that you would continue to speak to us now. Thank you for the glorious hope that we have that is living in us, that we can look forward to and anticipate one day in the future. In your name we give you thanks and praise. Amen. Well, we're going to go into our last song now, and we're going to sing all about a living hope which Jesus has secured in the future for us so that might affect us in the present to live to the praise and glory of his name for all that he's done as he's won for us his salvation as he's redeemed us.
So do stand and belt it out wherever you are, living hope.